story about his first encounter with Shipra and Hua. Not the Hebrew midwives, but a seminary classmate's cats. He innocently uh, named that they were very strange names and immediately realized that he was in for a lesson about the power of women's witness in the Bible, which his upbringing had conveniently avoided. He was instructed in no uncertain terms that he should go back and reread the book of Exodus, if not for extra credit, at least to get back into the good graces of his classmate and her cats. Friends, this is the nativity story of Moses, the man who would encounter God in the guise of a burning bush, the man who would lead the Hebrew people out of slavery the man to whom God would give the Ten Commandments. This is the nativity story of Moses, but it is also the story of five fierce and defiant women. In the face of oppression, they disobeyed orders. In the midst of a horrific genocide, they quietly and effectively fought for life, unraveling Pharaoh's best laid plans. It helps to recall the context of the saga. Back in Genesis, Joseph was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. Joseph did not stay a slave in Egypt. He became one of Pharaoh's favored government officials. But as we turn the page from Exodus to Genesis, a new Pharaoh is in town. A new Pharaoh needs a new administration. He saw the Israelites as a threat. No matter that they came to Egypt to escape famine, no matter that the Israelite Joseph had served his adopted nation faithfully. They were immigrants to be mistrusted, foreigners to be feared. They talked differently, they lived differently, and on top of that, there were just too many of them. The land was filled with them. Pharaoh fretted that there were so many of them, they could rise up against the rightful inhabitants of the land. And so, out of irrational fear and small-minded prejudice, the refugees were no longer safe in the land of Egypt. They were forced into slavery. Yet, Pharaoh's cruel treatment of the Israelites had an opposite effect on their numbers. The biblical language here mimics the way you would talk about a household pest. The narrator could just as easily be talking about carpenter ants. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. And truly, the Egyptians had just about as much reverence for the Israelites as a householder feels toward those pesky ants. Pharaoh and the Egyptians no longer treated the Israelites as human beings. They were slaves, subhuman, at first unworthy of freedom and ultimately unworthy of life. Shipra and Pua were called in to enact the solution to Pharaoh's security problem. They were midwives. Their hands had been consecrated to bring life into the world, and now they were being commanded 
to extinguish the lives of every Hebrew boy they were called in to deliver, and they refused. Then the narrator shifts from midwife to mother, Moses's mother. She too refuses Pharaoh's demand for death, not on the grand and organized scale as Shipra and Pua. She obeys the unholy edict, sort of. She swaddles him in a basket that is, if not seaworthy, at least able to bobble amongst the river reeds for a spell. She walks away, perhaps unable to bear the pain of finding out firsthand what will become of her beloved baby boy. But the sister stands by, a silent witness. Until this point in the narrative, we might minimize the actions of the four women. They were, after all, Hebrew women. They were acting out of self-preservation, self-interest. The midwives were fending off a genocide of their own people. Moses's mother and sister acted to protect their own flesh and blood. But Pharaoh's daughter? Pharaoh's daughter, she becomes what we might call in modern parlance, an ally. She uses her privilege for the sake of the other. She declares that this child's life matters, no matter that her very own father had sentenced every Hebrew boy to death. Moses' sister becomes a brilliant accomplice, achieving what seems impossible. She returns the child to the arms of his mother. Now, to be sure, the story still circles back to a painful act of maternal sacrifice. When the child is finished weaning, his mother must again relinquish him to the arms of the princess. But the child remains alive and well. Pharaoh's power was no match for these five women, quietly undermining tyranny and non-violently dismantling state-sanctioned violence. A gifted clergy colleague recently preached on this same text, and his words about the story are stirring, even buoyant. He writes that this story teaches us that hope can be found in the simplest and smallest acts of defiance. So when you think your small voice of Christian witness is drowning in a sea of despair, remind yourself that in the end, it is Pharaoh and his army that drown in the bottom of the Red Sea. When you think your acts of kindness and compassion and justice are not going to make a difference in the end, remember that two Hebrew midwives could what two Hebrew midwives could accomplish by outsmarting Pharaoh. When you think all is lost and that you have no power to change the course of things, remember the courage of Pharaoh's daughter who defied her father's obsession with oppression. When you think that the Christian faith has no place in challenging the tyrants of the world, 
reread the book of Exodus and be uplifted by its story that tells us that God's ultimate design for creation will not be thwarted by the likes of men like Pharaoh. So friends, let us raise our small voices. Let us gather our strength to act with kindness and compassion. Let us defy injustice and oppression in every form. Let us revisit our sacred scriptures that remind us that each and every one of us is invited to be God's collaborators, working on the side of hope and healing. Nearly every week this summer, we sang a verse or two of Restless Weaver. Maybe you were tired of it after a week or two. Maybe you fast forwarded. As for me, I never tire of that hymn. It was sung at my ordination and I could happily sing it at the top of my lungs every day I have breath. Restless weaver ever spinning threads of justice and shalom, dreaming patterns of creation where all creatures find a home, gathering up life's varied fibers, every texture, every hue. Grant us your creative vision, with us weave your world anew. Where earth's fragile rub is raveling, help us mend each broken strand. Bless our urgent, bold endeavors, cleansing water, air, and land. Through the Spirit's inspiration, offering help where once was pain. Strengthen us to be the stewards of your world knit whole again. When our violent lust for power ends in lives abused and torn from compassion's sturdy fabric fashion hope and trust reborn where injustice rules as tyrant give us courage god to dare live our dreams of transformation make our lives incarnate prayer Restless weaver, still conceiving, new life now and yet to be. Binding all your vast creation in one living tapestry. You have called us to be weavers. Let your love guide all we do. With your reign of peace, our pattern, let us weave your world anew. May it be so, friends. May it be so. Amen. I believe in God, the great sower, who weaves us together in community.